Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next episode of Talk Concord, a City of Concord, New Hampshire podcast. This monthly podcast brings you information about current and future happenings centered on why Concord is a great place to live, work, play, and invest. And before I introduce today's guest, here are a few notes and reminders. And just so everyone knows, I'm Stephanie Breton, Public Information Officer. And Susie Pegg is taking the month off, so she's letting me fly solo here. So just a few notes and reminders. All city offices are closing at 4.30 on Wednesday the 25th and will be closed through Friday the 27th for the Thanksgiving holiday. Trash collection is delayed by one day on Thanksgiving Day and the rest of the week. The Concord Christmas Parade is this Saturday the 21st beginning at 9.30 from the New Hampshire Department of Transportation parking lot on Hazen Drive. It will travel down Hazen to Loudoun Road, turn left on Loudoun Road, and then proceed to Canterbury Road. Please note the following street closures during the parade, Loudoun Road from Hazen Drive to Canterbury Road and Canterbury Road itself. And then we just ask everyone to please practice social distancing if you come out to enjoy the parade. The annual tree lighting celebration will be held on November 27th from 4 to 6 p.m. on Main Street. Main Street will be closed between Center and School Street from 3.30 to 6.30. We're asking everyone to wear masks, um, strongly encouraged, and use social distancing while enjoying this event to help keep everyone safe. And there's more information on Facebook. They actually just put up the Christmas tree this morning on the plaza. So that is now up. We just want to remind everyone it's still hunting season in New Hampshire. So um, wear your bright clothing, keep your pets leashed for safety when using the trails and more information is available on our website at concordnh.gov backslash trails. We have a list there of trails where hunting is prohibited. Fall leaf collection is currently going on in the city through December 11th and that is weather permitting for bulk collection. Please note important changes in the program due to COVID this year. Bagged leaf collection will run from November 23rd through December 11th. For more information and maps, please visit concordnh.gov backslash leaf collection. Ice activities are currently happening at the Ever Arena. We have safety protocols in place. And for full COVID guidelines and more information, please visit concordnh.gov backslash arena. So now I would like to introduce this month's guest, Jeffrey Stewart. Welcome, Jeff. He's our project first director with the Concord Fire Department. And this isn't your first, I don't even think second podcast, maybe third or I fourth. Th- yeah, I think it's probably around our third yeah. For a podcast. And then we did a couple little video shoots as right. well. To mm-hmm. provide information. Yeah. So I think it was about six months ago you were here with us and you provided some updates. So it seems like a good time to kind of have you back and get some more information for you from you. So I know you have some additional updates for us. Uh, can you please fill us in on what has been happening with you and Project First? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me back. We really Thanks appreciate getting some exposure and, and trying to get the word out. And mm-hmm. when I say exposure, I mean about Project First, not COVID-19. Just want to make sure we're right, clear because We are wearing our we masks. Are ma- wearing we are wearing our masks. studio, but we are masks. Forgot we are, to mention that, but yep, yes, we're we being are as doing safe that. as possible. Yes. <laughs> so I think, I think some of the biggest news is the grant did get extended until September 30th, 2021. So that'll be our final year. Okay. So from uh, now until September 30th, 2021, we're, we're good under Project First, which is exciting. And for those that don't remember, Project First is a grant that originated from SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, to the state of New Hampshire Department of Safety, and then 
Concord Fire became a sub-recipient underneath the Department of Safety. And Project First is first responders initiating recovery support and treatment. It started as a opioid use disorder grant, but we kind of expanded it a little bit to substance use disorder in general. Mm-hmm. We engage, well, the first goal is education, both to the community and the first responders about substance use disorder. Second mm-hmm. goal is to distribute naloxone kits to reduce opioid overdose death. That's Narcan, naloxone Narcan. So naloxone is the generic name, Narcan is the brand name. Mm-hmm. Third goal is to collaborate with other agencies to help patients get into treatment. And that's where Concord Fire has really capitalized on this process. So we actually, we don't just engage, we enroll. Mm-hmm. So if I have a client that wants to get treatment or get help, we engage them two ways. The first way is if they overdose, the ambulance goes. Here in Concord, for those that aren't familiar, our fire department also provides the ambulance service. Mm-hmm. Our ambulance service is at the paramedic level. I also am a paramedic. But the ambulance goes, they take care of the patient, take care of the immediate needs, provide naloxone kit, and inside that is my contact info. Mm-hmm. They also ask if the patient if they wants to talk to me. So I'll get an automatic um, referral right from the field. I'll follow up with that patient within 48 hours and start to assess where they're at, where in terms of their stages of change and whether they want to get into treatment. Do they know about treatment? Do they know what the options are? Mm -hmm. If they're interested in treatment, what are the barriers? Why aren't they in treatment? So we identify all of that through the enrollment process. We put our consents in place. So I have permission to talk to them and to refer them to other treatment centers Mm -hmm. or treatment options if needed. And through that identification of barriers, that's where we really start to engage the patient saying, okay, how can we help you reduce those barriers. And some of them are obvious. Don't Mm -hmm. have insurance. We can fix that. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't know about treatment. We're afraid. Right, Um, right. And some some patients are, or clients, you know, when they come to me, they become clients. Prior to that, they're patients. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's barriers of they have misinformation or myths, Mm -hmm. like there is no treatment for me. I'm not worth it. That's part of that emotional coaching that we have to do. But it could also be, I'm afraid if I tell my landlord I'm going to go to treatment, then they're going to evict me. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. That's not accurate at all. Mm-hmm. So we kind of work through that whole process. And then when they're ready, we get them and facilitate them into treatment. We do that by collaborating with the doorway here mm-hmm. in Concord, which is also a state program, a, a grant-funded program. We use the doorway. We use Riverbend. Mm-hmm. We use, I because of my background in addiction and substance use disorder, I have other treatment centers and other options, so I'll connect them to treatment based on their needs. Sometimes they may need inpatient. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they need, may need medication with, or excuse me, withdrawal treatment or detox, the old name we used to call it detox. Yeah. It's now withdrawal mm-hmm. management. They might need that. Um, maybe it's just in, intensive outpatient. It's a variety of things. But through my assessment and the enrollment process, we figure all that out. Mm-hmm. and make those connections. Once they're in treatment, if they want, they can stay in a relationship with me from a coaching and support perspective. When they're out of treatment, again, if the client's willing, we'll stay in contact and we'll do more of a recovery coaching perspective right through that process um, and keep working with them. So that's kind of how the grant works in general. Mm-hmm. So we got extended till September 2021, 20, which is awesome. It's great news, yeah. Yeah, we do do trainings. We had to take a break for a while when COVID first hit. We stopped all training because we were trying to figure out what 
this COVID was and how we were going to deal it. But right, we're back right. in back in doing training and we're doing social distancing and masks and I'm limiting the size of the class. So I'll take no more than 10 people at a time, okay. totally social distanced. And we'll do training like hands-only CPR, mm-hmm. how to use naloxone kits. It's a one-hour class. It's totally free. When they're done, they know how to do CPR and they walk out with a naloxone kit and they know how to use it. And once mm-hmm. again, naloxone, Narcan, Naloxone generic name, Narcan brand name. Mm-hmm. So our next one happens to be December 8th at okay, 6 so at night. Okay, so that's good timing for this. Perfect timing. Yep. Perfect timing. So December 8th. And we're doing it over in our new training grounds, which is over mm-hmm. on Old Turnpike Road. There's a classroom there. And we're mm-hmm. using that facility. And Plenty of space, right? Plenty of space. We space everyone out, you know, okay. six feet minimum, 10 feet, depending on what how many I have, but no more than 10. Okay. Um, and if they are interested... They can find more information on our website because we post all those dates on our website. And they can also call to register, and our number is 603-225-8650. That's our business line. That's our office line. You just call and say, I want to take the the next Narcan class or Naloxone class, Mm -hmm. and we'll do it that way. Again, 603-225-8650. So easy, and I'm excited that we're doing classes again. I'm really happy to have that back in. I really enjoy that. Yeah, we've gotten some good feedback from people that have taken it as oh, well. Great. That's always yeah. good to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, other big news, we completed a full report for our first full year, which was technically 14 months. Okay. And the reason is when we, because remember, we're a sub-recipient underneath the state, mm-hmm. so we have to follow the state's guidelines. So we got approved in February 2019. I started April 29th as an employee or mm-hmm. under the grant. Right. And then it took us a month or so to get it up and live and running with all our, you know, training our fire department staff, training, making sure our things worked, getting some supplies, some tech, information technology type stuff mm-hmm. ready to go. So we went live the 24th of June. So I did a, it's really a 14 month assessment. And that okay. report's all done and it's available. All folks have to do is call me or email me. Um, and easiest is 603-225-86. I just had it. Sorry. 8666. Well, that's that's, that's my right. line. But oh, okay. I was just going to say the regular line, 603-225-8650, just to keep the it general line, simple, yeah. the general line, and ask for me. They can get me, as you said, 603-225-8666. That's my direct line. That's easy. That's easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, and they can always email me, and that's simple, too. Stewart at ConcordNH.org, which... Very, very simple. Or excuse me, .gov. It's not .org, it's a .gov. So it's jstewart at conquerednh.gov. And, you know, we'll provide the kits. We'll provide the training. I'm happy to give them a report if they want a copy of it. Totally available. I'm not sure if we have it on our website yet. I'm um, sure we could make yeah, it available there too. Yep. yep. Very easy. So that's kind of what's going on in a nutshell. Okay. Part of what I've been doing is doing a lot of data collection. Mm-hmm. And we're tracking this, obviously, because we're a federal grant. Right, right. So, so people always ask me, well, you know, what data, what's happening in Concord? Mm-hmm. So I look at every overdose that the ambulance goes to in the city. Okay. It's not every overdose in the city, but it's every do- overdose that the ambulance goes to. Okay. And I've been doing it since I got here, and we are up this year about 14.5% from last year. So equal time period. Mm-hmm. 2019 versus 2020, and we're up 
in our overdose response is about 14.5%. What's different is the opioid overdoses are down, mm-hmm. but what's gone up is our alcohol overdoses. So, okay. you know, people always ask me, you know, is that is because of COVID, pandemic? right? Yeah. Is it COVID? So <laughs> right. I don't, I don't want to draw a definitive, mm-hmm. but the numbers are lining up with our stay-at-home orders. Okay. <laughs> so if I were to break it down by, you know, we did a stay-at-home order in blank month, and then I looked at all our, there's a, there's a correlation there, or appears mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. I want to be very clear. I don't have my PhD. I'm not making a definitive <laughs> scientific right, right. data analysis. Right. It just looks and appears that the increase in alcohol overdoses are mirroring our stay-at-home orders. And that's not just here in Concord. So in mm-hmm. Concord, it's happening. Mm-hmm. But I'm connected throughout the state, and I work with people throughout the state on this subject matter, not just through Project First, but through my other ventures. And it's we're seeing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one officially is making a definitive statement. It just looks that way. The data appears to be going in that fashion. So, Have you talked to people from other states in New England as well? Are they? Yeah. Do you know if they're seeing that? It, they're too? seeing similar. Curious, yeah. Yeah. They're not necessarily running Project First. Right. But they're doing their own stuff. And I mm-hmm. and I I am involved in New England. We'll just say it that way. I I, I work with clients throughout New England, not mm-hmm. with Project First, but in general. Yeah. Um, and again, and different just, states have probably have different yeah. stay-at-home orders too, so it might yeah. vary. It very anyway. time-wise yeah. varies, but the yeah. concept if you say, okay, where's your stay-at-home order? It was initiated here. What happened to your overdoses? And we're seeing similar trends. No yeah. one is putting a definitive statement on that, and I don't want to put a definitive statement. It just the trend appears to be going that direction. Okay. Yeah. And yes, I just bumped the mic. Sorry. <laughs> I think the the masks make the perception the perception's off a little, a little off. bit. So we're, yeah. <laughs> and I can't wear my glasses wearing a mask. Right, because they'll just be up fogged and, up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So here we are. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's all right. We're we're adapting and overcoming. Exactly. Yes. I think another uh, interesting thing is, uh, you know, somebody always asked me about, like I said, about the statistics: fourteen and a half increase, but down in opioids, up in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, we've distributed over eight hundred naloxone kits in this area, Mm -hmm. which is quite a large number. And I I don't want people to get the false sense of false security. When I say our opioid overdoses are down, there's only, when we talk statewide data, Mm -hmm. there's only two data sources for that. One is through our 911 ambulance system Mm -hmm. or emergency medical services system. And the other is the emergency department admissions. Mm-hmm. Right, those are your two big data sources, but naloxone is so available nowadays. Um, a lot of the patients are treating each other and mm-hmm. not going into the emergency room. There's a good and a bad to that, mm-hmm. uh, depending on your perspective. Right, not for right. me to say which which is good or bad. It's just that's just what's happening, and mm-hmm. and um, so anecdotally, a little anecdotal, I believe that's because there is so much Narcan. Naloxone available. When I first started working as a paramedic in the state of New Hampshire back in the 90s, 80s, 90s, or late 80s in the 90s, the naloxone was only available in the ambulance or in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. It was not out like it is today. And it was either given by a shot or an IV. Mm -hmm. Today we can give it nasally and anyone can get it. Mm -hmm. So a lot's changed in 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 20 years. 
yeah. So that's kind of what's going on on that on that front. Okay. Well, <laughs> not that lot. that was all negative, but no, I know you have some uh, really positive information to share too on kind of things you've been doing and some sure. success stories. So I think people will be happy to hear that. Yeah. So we. Part of our grant, like I said, is that collaboration, and mm -hmm. we've definitely been doing a lot of that. And we have to track everything. It's a federal grant, so I track my hours, I track my engagements, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have about 10 complete successes, and I want to clarify that because people, well, what's a success? Right. So we define a success as engaging the patient, mm -hmm. reducing their barriers, getting them into treatment, they complete treatment, and as of yesterday, they're still in recovery. Mm -hmm. And I have 10 complete. Mm -hmm. I have two veterans that were homeless and substance use disorder, and I got them connected with the VA. They've been housed and they're in treatment. One's in Nashville, one's in Manchester now, but they mm -hmm. were here in Concord. Mm -hmm. uh, came across two more veterans yesterday when I was out uh, working and were working with the VA to do that. So that's part of that collaborative effort. Yeah. Um, in terms of case management, because I said, you know, we engage the patients and then I can work with them prior to getting them into treatment and then after treatment. I have a mm -hmm. caseload of around 20, 25 uh, clients that I'm working with on a regular basis to either support them through their recovery or facilitate, reduce barriers and get them into treatment, depending on where we're at. And that partnership has been pretty awesome that we've been building. Mm -hmm. Been working really closely with the um, Community Action Program, okay. which is a statewide nonprofit. They have about 70 to 80 programs. The one that I've been working closely with is the Homeless Program here in Concord that covers Belknap and Merrimack County. So mm -hmm. we have a good relationship with them, and, I, and we combine that with our working with the coalition and Concord's coalition and homelessness. Mm -hmm. So the three, the three agencies have been working really closely together to help mitigate some of this homelessness mm -hmm. issue, which is a combination issue. It's substance use disorder, untreated or undertreated mental health mm -hmm. and homelessness. Yeah. So it really takes a surrounding approach mm -hmm. to work with them to, to get those clients you know, identify all those barriers, get them housed, get them into treatment, get them connected with treatment. So the three the three organizations there, Concord Fire, the Project First, the Community Action Program, the Belknap Merrimack County, and then the Co Concord Coalition and Homelessness have really been trying to be a collaborative um, effort. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's proven to be pretty successful. We've gotten uh, several people, not several, but we've gotten a few people truly housed mm -hmm. um, and into various levels of treatment. Some it's substance use disorder, some it's mental health. Some it was just a matter of getting them housed because their substance use was how they were dealing with being homeless. Right. It wasn't really a right. true diagnosed substance use disorder, mm -hmm. but they were using because they were homeless. Mm -hmm. And that, that difficulty. And really when we talk about the issue of homelessness, we're talking about a trifecta. Yeah. And the trifecta is mental health, substance use disorder and homelessness. They, they are a three components that really feed on each other mm -hmm. and add significant complexity to solving the problem. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything new. Anyone who reads the newspaper lately, there's articles in the newspaper all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Manchester, Concord, Nashua, other areas in the state are all dealing with this. And as we go into the winter months, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, but we're working on it, trying. Yeah. 
So that's kind of what I got from a project first perspective. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a not lot much of info. at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's. We're great. trying. I'm trying to watch our time so we, you know yeah. people don't get too bored. No, I listening think it's to good the, though. Listening um, to me babble. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good information. I think, um, yeah, it's not a surprise to hear about homelessness. It is a complex issue. So, it's definitely um, a complex issue. Yeah, but um, I think the success stories, d- homelessness aside, not. The success stories, you know, right. they go across channels. So that that's really good to hear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's great. And yeah. we're glad that the grant was extended and that you can do more work through next fall. Yeah, so. yep. that's our plan. And, you know, I, I love to hear from people. Part of, again, I mentioned one of the goals is education. So if a mm-hmm. particular agency or or community group wants me to come and speak, I'm happy to do it. Okay. Uh, they can get our report, happy to distribute it. Mm-hmm. If they just have questions, have, you know, call me, reach out, Stewart at ConcordNH.gov, uh, 603-225-8650 is the general number. Okay. Um, happy to talk to individuals, talk to groups from an educational perspective. If they mm-hmm. want to come to one of our classes, we'll do it. Love to have them. And then if they have a family member who's in distress, or they themselves are, are questioning their substance use disorder, mm-hmm. call me. We'll talk about it, and, and I'll connect them to treatment and, and facilitate it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I work with families as well as, obviously, the individual, but it's mm-hmm. a family problem, too, frequently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I That's would rather, rather work with the family before there's an overdose. Right. If, it's, if it takes the overdose to get the connection, fine. Mm-hmm. But if the family member is worried, call. Yeah. You know, Concord Fire recognizes that this is a problem and and created this, secured this grant to help address it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just an a, it's another avenue, another tool a family in crisis has or an individual who's in crisis has another option, another tool. And we can remind people that uh, there is a paid Project First page on the website as well. Yes. Um, yep. Under the Concord Fire Department's Absolutely. section of the ConcordNH.gov website. So that's another great spot. Thank information you. yeah and i knew i kind of threw this last question in when we were talking today <laughs> but i know you deal with a lot of um you know mental health and just kind of keeping yourself in check and reaching mm-hmm. out for help mm-hmm. if you need it so i just didn't know if you had if you wanted to finish off with any kind of covid tips for us sure. somewhat in, unrelated to project first but this sure. is more just from your background yeah so so i think the obvious you know wear a mask social mm-hmm. distancing healthy living as best as you can which when i say healthy living that's nutrition exercise mm-hmm. sleep people yes. forget about sleep yes um Unless you're a mom. Yeah, sleep is so important. <laughs> right. If you're a new mom, uh, you right. know a lot. You try um, to sleep. The one yep. thing I'd add to that is unplug. Because, mm-hmm. boy, 24-hour news cycle is tough. And yeah, if you're and working from in, home from people is tough, too, sure. because the 24-hour cycle sometimes extends to work. And if Absolutely. you're working from home, it's harder, I think, to step away at times. So I think that's a good point. Yeah, I'm big on unplugging when you can. Mm-hmm. Um I think you also have to be really cognizant, the individual and the family members checking on each other, cognizant about the isolation. We talk about stay at home, we talk about social distancing, and that's positive stuff because of the infectious disease. Right. But it also can be a negative. Mm-hmm. Hermitizing, you know, becoming a hermit, losing your connections, losing your contacts, losing friends, those types of things because everyone's trying to isolate and, and social distance and not connect. So. Mm-hmm. Be cognizant of your isolation and then re-engage. Mm-hmm. You know, isolation is a double-edged sword. It's good because we don't want to pass the infection. Right. But we are social beings by nature. Right. 
and and we require that human contact and maybe we can't physically hold our grandparents or our parents hands but we can get them on FaceTime or some other social media device and we can call them on the phone and have conversations it's not great right but it's, but it's better something. than complete isolation right yeah so really be cognizant of that and then the final thing to wrap up from my perspective if you or someone you're worried about is having difficulty don't hesitate to reach out there's plenty of help available mm -hmm. there's peer supports there's information on the city website there's information on the state website mm -hmm. tons of information available a little information overload sometimes right but if you think somebody's suicidal or potentially suicidal don't hesitate uh, the national suicide line is 1-800-273-8255 once again 1-800-273-8255 and if you're a veteran or you're calling on behalf of a veteran mm -hmm. just press one Okay. And uh, we, I've done this with people, and I've looked at the um, website for Veterans Crisis Line, and it's impressive. So mm -hmm. plenty of information available. Watch your isolation. Yeah, especially <laughs> and, as we go into the holidays. Yeah, it's some tough people time are going to have a really hard time. So really I think hard time. That's good reminders. Because family members can't fly in necessarily. You know, they're worried about getting on a plane. Maybe they have some what we call in healthcare comorbidities or those extra medical problems that make it more risky for them. Mm -hmm. But that's hard. Yeah, it is you know, hard. You're used to having the whole family or the whole group. You're, and it doesn't have to be blood. It could be just your f close friends over. Right, Friendsgiving. Yeah, you know, Friendsgiving, even that whatever. Is tough yeah. this year. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that, that would be my thing. Try, watch that isolation. Reach out if you need it and take care of yourself. But I don't want to be too negative. <laughs> right. No, that's good. I know. it's uh, The holidays are going to look a little different this year. But, yeah. you know, the tree is up in the plaza. So um, go down to Main Street. You know, take a look. That's something right. we Get outside. It's so exercise, right? Yeah. Getting outside is good. You know, bundle up a little bit. Get outside <laughs> and enjoy some fresh air. Well, we have six feet of snow out there. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. We didn't talk about snow yet. But no, maybe New Hampshire. next month. <laughs> New Hampshire. It could happen next week. Who knows? <laughs> right. We, then wait. We want, we then want we'll leaf get... collection to keep going <laughs> exactly, for a while longer. Exactly. So we're not going to talk about snow yet. Well, but. thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here again and for all your updates. And we're glad um, to keep moving forward for, you know, another year. So Thank you. Thank you again. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, this concludes this month's podcast. And stay tuned for our next episode of Talk Conquered. Thank you.